Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you, Christ Church. Um, very excited about this day. And, and just this moment, it was about a year ago that Bishop Steve came over to Greensboro and we instituted and installed, I'm not sure the difference of the words, I need to look that up, um, Dan Alger as the dean of our pro-cathedral and the rector of Church of the Redeemer. And it's been fascinating to watch change and transitions happen in the life of our church. And I feel like in some ways I'm a grandparent. I can't say a word. I just have to say, this is great. Um, and love everyone. So change is a part of life. I think of the author William Bridges who writes about change and transitions. He's a management guru. And he says this, that change is when circumstances happen. So a new rector or a new job or a new house. Change happens to all of us. Change is constantly happening in the world. But he says transition is the emotional impact, the psychological impact of change. And his books teach leaders and companies and, of course, churches that it's very important to understand change, and we can easily talk about change, but it's more crucial to pay attention to transitions, because it's in the transitions that something profound is happening. So today is a great day to celebrate this transition, and I want to do something I normally don't do. I love the lectionary. I usually, if there's a lectionary, I preach from it, but I'd like, to, I'd like for us to land in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 today and see something that's really important to me about the relationship of leaders to the church. And hopefully it is something that will be of edification for you. Today marks a special event where one baton is passing to another, but in this baton pass, what is important is not the runner or the runner's but the race they are running. The Apostle Paul teaches something profound in the ministry of leadership in 1 Corinthians 3. He asks this question to the church. What, after all, is Apollos? Apollos was one of the young leaders in the midst of Corinth. And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, the Apostle Paul says. Apollos watered it, but God is the one who has been making it grow. Listen to this, verse 7. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. So Father Ben, Father Benji, you're nothing. <laughs> but we love you. But only God who makes things grow. What is amazing is the transition represented here today. Benji Davis will be the rector today forward and will serve as the senior pastor, the shepherd of this church. And the mantle of great leadership is being passed from Father Ben as a servant to Father Benji. This is a significant thing. In a few years, Benji, the same thing will happen again. It's been said that our bodies are full of 30 trillion cells. 
And over the lifetime, your body replenishes and changes all of those cells constantly. The only cells that remain are your eyes and your heart and your brain. And I'm losing um, several of those. <laughs> so how then do we understand the scriptures in the change of leaders is also biologically related. We're constantly subject to change. Let's consider again the passage from Corinthians. First, everyone is made in the image of God. Everyone, however, is unique. There are no two persons who've lived who are exactly the same physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And that's important to recognize. But the leadership of the church is not based upon human agency, but divine providence. For such a time, you came to Winston-Salem, Ben. For such a time, you have come to Winston. The great um, leadership guru of church leadership, a guy named John Maxwell, once said about leadership and church um, systems, he says, it rises and falls on leadership. Eli Lilly, who, who built the Cotton, uh, cotton machine and also um, the Lilly Company has become a major pharmaceutical industry in this country, in the world. He served as the senior warden of Christ Church in Indianapolis. And he concluded, he surveyed the history of Christ Church from its founding to his day. He concluded this, when we had a good pastor, we grew and flourished. And when we didn't, we didn't. <laughs> That's my paraphrase, of course. He says it much more eloquently. So we think about it this way. It's about leadership. But I want us to listen to Paul. Is it about leadership or is there something else intrinsic to leadership that's important? Paul writes to the church in Corinth and says, you know, some say I follow Paul and others, Apollos is our guy. The temptation in our humanity is to concentrate on a particular leader and their particular gifts and the particular things that they deliver. The problem with that reality is there are no two leaders alike. As a young church planter in Davidson, North Carolina, I had on my senior leadership team, senior warden, he was a former vice president of U.S. Steel in Pittsburgh. And he came into my office one day and he brought a bucket of water. I thought he was going to throw it on me. And, and he sat down in the chair and he said, Alan, I want you to do something. I want you to put your hand in this bucket. And I thought, this is kind of unusual. So I played the game. I put my hand in the bucket. And he said, now I want you to take it out. And then he said, what do you notice? And I'm from Oklahoma, not the sharpest tool in the drawer. I said, my hand's wet. <laughs> and he said, no. Did you notice that the water went right back to where it was? You are replaceable. You are for a season. You are a servant. And he said, good to see you, and got up and walked out of my office. <laughs> Maybe he didn't like me that much. Who knows? <laughs> Leadership is for a moment. Lead well. 
serve well. All of us are replaceable. This is the Lord's church. He is the one who gives growth. Someone will come one day and take your place, no matter what it is. Second thing, each of us is made in a special, unique way with those unique gifts of our personality, physicality, and faculty that we use in ministry. A few years ago, our early team sat down with Jan Hinton, and we went through the Strength Finders course, and we learned we're all pretty different. And we know these gifts uh, that we have, these differences of personality and style and all those things, but listen to Paul. He says, what, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants, through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Notice he doesn't say, who is Apollos, or who is Paul? He asks, what, the what question. I love the phrase, the what behind the why. The apostle asks, what is Apollos and what is Paul? He lifted the focus from, of their personhood to their office. Not who are they, but what are they? And, and the office they serve is actually more important than the personality they are to the Corinthians. We often reverse it. I know that this is hard to believe because we are so personality-focused. It's all about the leader and what they deliver. And I want you to understand that this is baked into us by God who has created us. He has designed us to long for a shepherd, a leader. We're constantly in the search of a leader, someone who will lead us and rescue us, of a father or a mother figure who will mentor us and give us wisdom. God has baked that into our design because he is our shepherd. He is our king. We long for these things. But often we will replace his leadership and his kingship with the role of men and women. On my bishop's ring, inside the interior is inscribed a reminder for me to embrace. Uh, Dan Alger put it in there. I think it was a, a subtle shot at me. Um, we're longtime friends. It says, always a deacon, always a servant. The unique role, Benji, of leadership is servanthood. In fact, we find in the scriptures more references to servanthood than leadership. But servanthood is the more enduring, beautiful quality of leadership. Listen to Paul in another place of the scriptures. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, Servanthood is a quality always in short supply in our culture. There are so many great uh, examples of it. Even in this body, I'm always amazed at seeing people simply show up to serve faithfully 
show up to help. And some of you here at Christ Church that I know are so impressive and so inspirational because of the way that you serve. I recently turned 53, and I find few things are more attractive than the person who is willing to serve and not require credit. So Paul refocuses the nature, the natural human tendency to look for leaders rather than servants. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, humans look at outward appearances, but the Lord looks into the heart. And the heart of church leadership is servanthood. Again, leaders are only servants after all. And their servanthood is so that you, through whom you come to believe, follow their example. And that belief comes through as the Lord has assigned each to his task. Humanity has always, always fallen prey to the cult of celebrity. And we are constantly disappointed and disillusioned when it collapses. But servanthood never fails. Because servanthood isn't interested in self-gain, but others gaining. Again, Paul says... I planted the seed, but Apollos has helped come in the work in Corinth. Paul started it. He worked with the leaders. He set the direction. But another person comes along and their job is watering. Father Ben, you have done an amazing job of serving this body for so long and so well. But now it is your turn. All along, whether planting or watering, a body is God's work. God has been making Christ church grow. My third point, it would only be three if you're a preacher, right? It's not two, it's never four. Don't try seven, it's a fail. Stick to three, it always works. It's Trinitarian. Each person has their different input of labor. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their labor. Listen to this. Planting and watering are important tasks, and each requires a different labor, a different kind of work. But listen to the way Paul describes their relationship, planting and watering. The planter and the water are co-laborers together in God's service. They work intrinsically together, even though they are different activities, for we are co-workers in God's service, the Apostle Paul says. And you, the people of Christ Church, you are God's field, God's building. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, I've come to church and there are things in my heart that aren't right, that I need, and I'm excited for Father Benji, but I've got these things internal. I want you to know this, that those tasked with planting and watering, their task is to help you come to see the Lord Jesus Christ is your great shepherd. And he's laid down his life for you. And what you most need and need to seek in this world, the thing that you will never fail in this world is if you seek Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. You will never be disappointed with him. 
You may be disappointed in leaders and systems and churches, but you will never be disappointed in Jesus. This is why Paul says, we're just co-workers. We serve the great shepherd, the true leader. It's actually about the church. The role of church leadership is about the people, the field, and the building. Paul uses two very important analogies for us to consider. And to consider them is to learn them, to mark them, to inwardly digest these words, as the prayer book says. The church as field and the church as building. A field belongs to its owner. There's usually a deed that accompanies. We belong to him by right of creation and by right of preservation and by right of redemption because he bought us with an infinite price to be his field. We belong to Christ. We are his field. Our hearts should be fertile ground for his word to be planted. Paul later says this, you're not your own. You have been purchased with the price, the life of Christ. You're not your own. I have to remind there's five teenagers in my house. I have to constantly remind them in the state of North Carolina, you don't own any real property. That phone, it's mine. <laughs> I'm lending it to you. You are not your own. You are not the captain of your ship and the master of your fate. You are Christ's field. So a field is the place where the planting of the seeds and the watering of the seeds take place. It is where God's growth is displayed. I love that we are a part of his field together. Not just Christ Church, but the Diocese of Christ Our Hope. Not just the Diocese of Christ Our Hope, the Anglican Church in North America. Not just the Anglican Church in North America, but the Church of Jesus all around the world. We're in his field you are a part of a field where 2.5 billion men, women, and children identify with the person of Jesus Christ. You're in a big field. But it's also a building, but not a physical building. Hear me clearly. Physical space is important. I remember when you signed the deed on this building. It's important. We have to care for it and see it as a gift. But when the delight or passion is just building impressive structures rather than building believers, the metaphor breaks down. In fact, Paul is clear. The real building is the people, not the structure. The goal of church work is your maturity in Christ. The apostle Peter says this, you also, as living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house, a royal priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But what we are building upon is the foundation of Jesus Christ himself. The great hymn says, the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ the Lord. She, the church, is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. 
With his own blood, he bought her, and for her life, he died. Today, it is so important to be clear, Benji Davis, this field, this building called Christ, called Christ Church is now your vocation, your call, and your ministry. But we, you and I, and all who come after, we are your co-workers as well. And now you are adding to the foundation. Build well, my friend. Build well in a manner pleasing to the Lord. Serve well. Now, I've known Ben Sharp a long time. And we were planting Anglican churches when no one understood that name at all. I forget who wrote the song, I Was Country, when country wasn't cool. <laughs> who was that? Tammy Wynette? Barbara Mandrell. Thank you. Sorry. Um, ben, we were Anglican when Anglican wasn't cool. We have labored together. We have laughed. We've cried. We've struggled. We've served in the church. We've watched our children grow and move out and move on. We've watched our churches grow and mature. We are co-workers in this field. A few weeks ago, Benji and Ashley went through a moment with Theodosia that should not be the way things go. You know very well. You can tell a lot about someone when the chips are down. I saw tremendous trust in the Lord on you two. And I know that trust is something very dear. And that kind of trust will be needed to lead the church in this day. As Father Ben moves on to a new ministry, one that impacts a, more than just a community, but a region and state, all the skills needed to, to shepherd this church, Benji, will be high on demand for you to trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. So let me make a couple of charges to you this morning. To you, Father Benji, to you, Christ Church. First, Father Benji, stay close to Jesus. Keep the vision. Serve with gentleness and humility. Preach the gospel. Never boast in anything but the cross of Jesus Christ. To Christ Church, pray for your pastor. Be honest. Be truthful. Be direct. Live the vision. Be a people of hope. Love your neighbor as yourself. Proclaim Christ crucified. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. Amen.